Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, media person, dog lover, cold weather enjoyer. And as usual, I'm excited to be with some of my favorite smart women on the Vote Her podcast. Oh, thanks, Mara. I'm Jen Jordan, former state senator. Um... And entering into my uh, 50th year of life. So half a century on this planet. And man, I kind of feel like it today. So, and I certainly look like it. So, (laughs) but happy to be alive. I think you look hot. I think you look hot too, Mara. Yeah, you you look hot. And I'm Terry Nolowitz and I'm a state representative for House District 42 in Cobb County. And it's Monday. Yeah, well, it's we Monday. are rec- we are recording this on Monday the sixteenth. Wait, is today your birthday, Jen? Is today the Come actual on. day? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So this is going to drop on your actual birthday. Yes, and I love my birthday. I love my birthday. <laughs> I have to say, I love my birthday. I'm just gonna I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it. I love it. It's the best birthday. There's nothing wrong with loving your birthday. Birthdays are amazing. And you're actually turning fifty. No, I'm turning forty nine. But the fiftieth year on this earth. That so, is right. true. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that's exciting. 50 is right. pretty great. Pretty, uh, gosh, I'm the old, oldest broad in this group. Dude, it's better than the alternative, let me tell you. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a lot to address this week. We're going to do a couple different things this week. We're going to listen to some audio clips in our second segment, but we are going to talk about, obviously, uh, the Speaker of the House and how it affects refers to like comes down to Georgia and how Georgia's involved. And of course, we have to really talk about obviously Israel and Gaza and Palestine and everything that's been going on. It has been a really, really tough week, especially being in politics, being a public figure, and even how it affects us locally in Georgia politics. Terry, there's been two statements put out by the Georgia House as far as their position on all of this, and they're sort of two kind of different things. So weigh in on that for us. Right. So this morning and this morning, so Monday's AJC, uh, Greg Bluestein wrote an article about letters that were written in response to what is happening in Israel and in Gaza right now. Uh, one from it's on House letterhead, um, and it is signed by one Democrat, Representative Esther Panitch, signed that letter. It was authored by, you know, it's first signed by the Speaker, by Chuck Extration, who is the majority leader for the GOP in Georgia. And then there's another letter that was sent out on behalf of the entire House Democratic Caucus. So you have these two letters, which I, I'm going to be very honest, and I've spoken to leaders, you know, to, to members of leadership in both parties this morning about this, I'm really disappointed that there are two letters. I feel like if we're going to be one house, if anything is going to be sent out on house letterhead, that should be, everyone in the house should have had an opportunity to review that letter and sign on if it is indeed something that they support. I think that if, I'm just, I'm, I'm really troubled because I do think that Americans in general are tired of division. All they're seeing is division, not just division, dysfunction at the national level. Uh, when you look at what's happening with the fact that we do not have a Speaker of the House, so the 
United States House of Representatives has not issued any kind of statement for or against anything because they can't because there's no Speaker of the House. And here in Georgia, we're just kind of not replicating that because we don't have that level of dysfunction here in Georgia, but we're certainly not doing everything we can to rise above it and let Georgians know that there are some things on which we can be united. One of them is, you know, not condoning any kind of terror. One of them is, it's just, I'm trying, I think it's regrettable that there are two letters and it is what it is. And if this is how it's going to be in Georgia going forward, I guess we just have to buckle up and get used to it. But I think it's disappointing that on something where there are so many emotions, there are so many realities and there's, it's so complicated. I feel like Georgians deserved a little bit better from the Georgia house this morning than what they got. I feel like you're getting very emotional over I this. Am, I am. I am. You're, I take the house, yeah. I take the house very seriously. And I'm just disappointed in how all of this has kind of gone down this morning. You know, I've talked to different people. I've been in touch with different people. And all I can do is, you know, I, like I've said what I've said at this point, And we know there are people in Georgia right now who are very scared, who are hurting. We know at Georgia Tech this weekend, a Jewish fraternity house had graffiti scrawled on it. Like we know these things are happening, and I feel like we do Georgians a disservice by not finding a way to at least issue a statement on behalf of the House that, or on behalf of even any party that's not done in a way that's just trying to either one-up the other party. I, I don't know. I just feel like we need to do better, and I'm really disappointed that we can't. Yeah, it, and look, I think <laughs> the bigger issue here is that both of the statements express support, um, you know, for what people were going through. Support in terms of, you know, we we shouldn't condone this this violence. Support for Israel. Um, you know, no, it, it's not okay. Terrorist attacks aren't okay. Terror is not okay. All of that stuff is not okay. Um, and so you would think that this would be a no-brainer, right? That we could all just agree on that. But like you said, it, it turned into kind of this political one-upmanship. It's like, well, we're going to support Israel more and better, or we're going to use different words, or we're going to include more people, less people, whatever it is. And it's like, it really is, it just kind of shows you where are the adults, right? Like, right. where are the adults in right. both parties. And then, of course, if anybody listens to this, they're going to be like, well, it really wasn't me. It was, you know, it's like, come on, y'all. Just, oh, just yeah, suck it I've up. already been hearing just that. Suck it up. And then, yeah. Be adults. There's really awful stuff happening in this world. And the least you could do is talk to each other um, and, and represent the people that you were elected to represent. Um, you know, be, be be a statesman about it. Be a statesperson, whatever the word is. Or or we should say, be a lady about well, it. Well, yeah. for real. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the terminology we should use because you're right. And I do. I think that we are starting to see, we're seeing it in other races that have happened nationally. I think we're seeing it in certain races in Georgia, but just a level of apathy that I feel like is increasing. And I think that as elected officials and as leaders, and as political leaders, if we're not doing everything we can to counter the narrative that is causing that apathy, and I think that the, the division that people see really does lead to that apathy, I don't think we're doing anybody any favors, including ourselves. 
Yeah, it's really hard. And it's really hard to, because I think so many people are feeling like, you know, you want to speak out, you want to say, you want to, especially when you're a public figure. I actually talked to somebody this week who's a pretty big um, Israel activist. Um, and, you know, me as a Jewish person, I, people have said to me, how have you posted and what are you saying and what are you doing? And it's been really tricky for me because there's so many things I want to say, but I just feel like one post on Instagram or one little thing is is just, what is it really... I, it, it's very, very complicated. And and this person I know has spoken out quite a bit. And she said something to me that said, made me feel better. She was like, you're, look, you're a public figure. It's different for me. Nobody knows me. So it, it's, but yeah, you know, it, there's the flip side of it of like, okay, well, people know me, but I, it's such a complicated situation uh, that, it, it, it's it's you 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 try to say the right thing and be on the same page or to to of course not want suffering and pain and war and and all these horrific consequences but you you run the risk of um this is so sensitive this is just so loaded and complicated that it's just hard to say stuff but back to what you guys were saying as far as like if the Georgia State House can't get on the same page with one statement that's a whole lot different and a whole lot bigger picture. That's pretty sad. Well, especially since they were ostensibly expressing the same sentiment, right? It's not like yeah. there were two different positions that they were, you know, on on different sides of. And that's what's that's what's so crazy about it. It's like it, it just doesn't make any any sense to me. And it's because what Terry said is always about one-upmanship, you know, who's, yeah. and who gets credit for stuff. And, right. Um, who's going to look like they're more, you know, and I think in this context, maybe more pro-Israel. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but, and, and Terry Mike can enlighten us. I know that when I was in the Senate, um, you know, and a lot of Jordans may not realize this, but we have very, very, very close business ties um, with the state of Israel. Um, very close. There's so much business that's going backwards, back and forth, and so much money and commerce and all that. Um, and that doesn't even take into account um, people, right? People. And, you know, I was thinking about this morning, I was like, I think why this is is so impactful on a personal level, it's because that this is really it's almost like a piece of us or our country is also at war because of the close ties with Israel, right? Because of all of the folks who live in our country um, that are Israeli, or not only that, but have a dual citizenship with Israel, right? That it, it is like there is a part of us at war and, and people we love and people we know are being targeted um, and are dying. And, and yet... It isn't our country, and also, you know, there there's some significant humanitarian issues at play here. Um, and so I heard this, I don't know if I heard it on social media or on the radio or whatever, but you know what, I'm in favor or I'm supportive and my heart is going out for it and I'm praying for the people who are hurting. So however people want to take that, you know, um, whoever is hurting, that that is is who I'm thinking about right now, um, because if you say one side or the other, then and then that's when you start to get into this kind of craziness, 
And, um, and really that's just kind of where my heart is, you know, because, because it's happening and it's real and it's not just some kind of Twitter fight or some political battle in the Georgia house. It is, it is people losing their lives. It's children losing their lives. No, that's right. This is a situation where lots of awful things can all be true at the same time. And I think, uh, you know, we are so conditioned to expect a binary and it's just not always a binary, right? I mean, there are like, the reality is this, this Hamas surprise attack was terrorism and it was brutal and they have hostages, including American hostages. We also know that, and we know because the UN and other experts on the ground, the World Health Organization, they're saying, look, we were about to have a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. That's also true. Like all of these things are true and they're all true at the same time. And I think if you're used to and accustomed to reducing everything to this either or this right or wrong, this is a, there are lots of things are happening and lots of them are are awful and lots of them are horrible and lots of them are very, very upsetting. And it, it is just, you know, it's, People keep saying, well, it's complicated and it's nuanced. And yeah, it is absolutely complicated and nuanced. You look at the New York Times editorial section this weekend and you're, up, you're, you're opening the spread and you've got, you know, an article from, a, you know, a piece written by a mother in Israel whose son was kidnapped, you know, they have dual citizenship. Her son was kidnapped at the music festival. The last time he was seen, they knew his arm had been either shot off or blown off. And she's like, I just hope someone's helping my son. And, and I can't you have, even you know, imagine that, right? I can't even I can't, imagine. I, can't. Im- I mean, I cannot imagine what that must be like. And and just how, just, I can't even imagine. And then you've got a piece from, you know, a person in Gaza and they're hiding out with their family members and they're terrified. It's like all of this horrible stuff is happening. And I think it's very difficult for us. We, we each know people who have, loved ones, relatives, people they know who are, who are suffering. And this is just really hard. It's, it's hard. Horrible. It's hard. Horrible. It's it's hard on every level. Um, even the petty ones, even the little ones, even the it's like it's it can't not be from your mind constantly. Um, and it's in pop culture. Um, you know, we were talking about Pete Davidson on Saturday Night Live gave a very powerful cold open, um, just talking about how his father was killed in September 11th, and and you know, and just like the complicated feelings. It was very touching. Just talking about like. You know, comedy was the one thing to make him laugh um, through the 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 most impossible times. So, um, okay. Speaking of impossible times, uh, as we record this, they are very close to the their tr- new speaker of the house. It seems like, from what I've been reading, is that and you know, obviously by the time this drops, you know, they're going to have another vote. They're saying that Jim Jordan may have the votes. Uh, <laughs> which is pretty crazy to think that like this is a guy who's you know an insurrectionist I'll just say it I mean like he tried to overthrow the election and now he has the potential to be the speaker of the house this is insanity what are our thoughts of course I know what we're going to I know what you're going to say but weigh in oh goodness um <laughs> you know I think I think I'm glad we were talking about what's going on in terms of Israel um, and Palestine and Gaza and all that, because I think that normally when we talk about politics and the craziness of it and 
the stupidity and the chaos, especially in terms of the Republican Party. And I will say it, I've, I've just never seen, I mean, talk about a clown car. It's like, um, it's like a clown bus. I don't even know what's the biggest thing that it could be, but um, it, it's out of control. But there are real, there's ramifications there because, you know, Biden can't even get the money that he needs with respect to Ukraine, much less the money that is going to be needed to support Israel, um, who is one of our main allies, right? So, because they can't get their shit together. And and I'll just, sorry, I'm cursing, but it, it makes me so friggin' mad because it's like, this is Congress. This is the, this is the people's house. This is where big stuff is supposed to happen. You're supposed to have serious people. And then we're going to have the guy who reminds me of that character that Chris Farley used to play, you know, with the... with the, the Down by the river. Yeah, the down by the <laughs> river guy. Yeah, no jacket. With no jacket. Yeah. And just acting all crazy. <laughs> That's the friggin' speaker of the house. That's the best they have. The guy who turned his back on boys that were being molested and abused sexually. Like, that's the guy? That's 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 as good as it gets? I mean, y'all, that's... It is a very sad time for the Republican Party. It's a very sad time for this country. Um, and it really sends signals internationally that are incredibly dangerous because why do you think we see a lot of this chaos happening and people taking advantage because they know that that we don't have our shit together as a country. And and who are we? We are the most powerful, um, you know, the person with the biggest stick in terms of being able to make sure people stay in line um, all over this world. And they know that we, you know, that, that Congress can't even like be in session because they can't even have enough votes to, to elect a speaker, um, you know, who can put two syllables together. So it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it's mind blowing, but it's also at the same time incredibly, incredibly dangerous for our country and for this world. Everything is unfolding so quickly in the Middle East right now, but we right now lack the agility to address this, right? I mean, I think President Biden's doing everything he can do. Now there's talk that he may go over to Israel, the Secretary of State's over there. But we are just lumbering along with this infighting and like really in infighting, like it's not even the whole house, it's just the Republicans who are ostensibly in charge of this, who are demonstrating repeatedly that they are totally unfit to govern. And because you have this void of leadership, that's why we're going to get stuck with Jim Jordan. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's so, it's just... It's such an abdication of leadership and responsibility from people who are supposed to be able to lead. Well, you said something, both of you, last week that really has resonated with me that I thought about a lot when you were talking about um, your Speaker of the House who can go out and fundraise for candidates, for local candidates. And how is Jim Jordan going to do that? Like, I've really thought of that because he's so incredibly polarizing uh, in so many ways that and and so and last week we're also talking about the George Clooney documentary, um, which is still I'm wondering if that's going to get dropped. And then I had read about 
Uh, or I, I take it back. I was listening to, uh, of course, a podcast, the Pivot podcast with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. And they were talking about, she had said it. I'm going to credit her because I know she's a big voter podcast listener. I'm sure she's <laughs> my, she, first thing she listens <laughs> to, right? In, in my dreams. Um, but she was saying how there is some sort of Jim Jordan Washington Post article that's about to come out, that this is going to drop soon. She wasn't real specific, but I think it is with the Ohio State wrestlers and all of that. And how his camp definitely knew about it and it, it, people people were buzzing about it. So as we're doing this right now, I'm super curious to know if they're, if they're you know, if they're, if the article's ready or if that even matters. I mean, it's like, you know, and her partner, Scott Galloway, had argued that none of this matters. Like, you know, any scandal, sex scandal, it just, it just doesn't matter. I mean, what do you think? I think it does. I mean, look, I think, I, I definitely think it matters. I think we're finally, I think we're starting to pull away a little bit from complete crazy town. Um, I mean, the fact that the Republicans are in turmoil the way they are, for example, where you even had um, Congressman Austin Scott from Georgia basically, you know, say, well, I'll run. Nobody else will, right? Um I mean, if you would have ever told me that Austin Scott was going to be the normie Republican, um, I would have laughed at you. I mean, it's crazy, right? <laughs> like, that he's he's like the normal guy, the guy who's going to bring like some rational, you know, thought yeah. or some discipline here to the to the caucus up in Congress. Yeah, he's going to be the voice of reason. Whereas Friday morning, people like Austin Scott would be the voice of reason. And of course, he's not because there's no voice of reason in that group. But he tried. Uh, they're making him seem like he's like the total like normal dude. Like he's the moderate. He's the adult in the room. So uh, it's it's actually really great to hear. That. That's all sort of propaganda. Well, I, I don't think it's propaganda. Yeah. I think it is based on we're grading on a curve here, baby girl. Right. right. Like <laughs> it, exactly. It's completely different. Like the norms or, or kind of, you know, what do they call it? The Overton window. Is that what they call it, Terry? The, what's normal has so yeah. moved that, yeah, that all of a sudden Austin Scott is, I mean, they may as well call him a rhino for God's sakes. I mean, he, as far as we know, he's never tried to cover up any childhood sexual abuse. So, all right. Well, that's a, that's a, there we go. All right. Well, we're going to take uh, a second to do something new on the podcast. I am going to play some audio for Terry and Jen, and they're going to weigh in on what they hear. So, uh, watch out. We've got some good stuff. Okay, I have a bunch of clips for you ladies to hear. And then I want your honest feedback because I know you guys are <laughs> never have a problem <laughs> with that. Uh, so we were, we were talking about Austin Scott, uh, the congressman who y'all know. Terry, do you know him too or just Jen? I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever, I mean, I've, I think I actually have met him. We don't, we're not like buds. Like we don't, we're not, we're not like, hey, bestie, what's up? <laughs> I know he exists. He may or may not know I exist. <laughs> well, do we give him credit for just like throwing his hat in the ring to just. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, he gets 10 points. Okay. Okay. Because this is the only, I found this clip from, from Fox <laughs> Business of him. Here we go. 
stands or butts about it. Donald Trump got uh, 74 million votes for reelect last cycle. That's the number that the Democrats uh, know they can't beat. He got about 33 million in swing states. And so they're only like what, what, what does he have an adding problem? (laughs) Do you even know what to do with that? Yeah, no, I don't. This is the deal. What's interesting. Here's here's some fun (laughs) facts about Austin Scott (laughs) is that he actually represents a district that had been it was one of the last Democratic kind of strongholds. Right. In terms of. of us keeping hold of of, of some congressional um, seats. And so I remember when it flipped, and it's actually the seat that I worked on the 1996 um, congressional campaign for the Democrat who lost, and Saxby Chambliss held the seat before Austin Scott got it. Fun fact for everybody. I know, it's, but it's the middle Georgia kind of congressional seat um, that runs kind of all the way down. I think it, it used to hit Moultrie. I don't know if it still does, but um, but yeah. So fun well, fact about Austin Scott, but I have no friggin' idea um, what he was talking about, so, which so, is about par for the course. He is a, clearly a Trumper. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, he's out of it now. I, as far as we know, I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll make a comeback. I love Jen how, the way you say Moultrie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, our next clip is from a really uh, interesting guy named uh, Congressman. While we're talking about Congressman, uh, take a listen. George Santos um, was being interviewed after all his charges were revealed. He was indicted on like, I think, almost 20 counts, maybe more. Um, And he had something to say. Let's take a listen. And the next time he tries to accost me with a child in my hand, I want him out of here. The gentleman back there is a terrorist sympathizer that has no business in this building. What is happening in Israel is abhorrent. What is happening to the people of Israel should not be defended. Nobody defending Hamas has any business in this building, whether you're elected, whether you're a civilian. It is a disgrace that we allow people to parade that kind of thought in here. So they don't even know who he's talking about. He's breaking down. And to be clear, there's no child in his arms. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, fun fact. Got another one for you. There was a child in his arms, but it wasn't his. And when they asked him about it, he goes, they go, is that your child? And he goes, no, not yet. It was some weird kind of thing. So he's he's what? a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like when you find your toddler like in the middle of some mess and they say something totally random because they think they're going to deflect you like well the dog pooped in the living room what are you talking about that's not why we're here like he oh god so yeah what's gonna happen to that guy honestly like what's gonna happen he's going to jail will he go to jail though (laughs) yes he will go to jail he will go to jail and that 
and and he will have to step down. It will probably trigger a special election. And that is one of the swingiest um, congressional seats out of New York. And so I would say if they've got a legit candidate, they being Democrats, um, it's a possible pickup, which is pretty important um, right now as, yeah. as we're going into the next cycle. So, but he is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The Republicans know it too. Nobody is coming to his aid. He will go to jail. Okay, this next one is from one of my favorites, uh, Popcorn Nikki Haley, the former uh, ambassador. Um, now, you know why I call her Popcorn Nikki Haley, because she had a meltdown because she ordered popcorn and didn't, it didn't come on time for her nephew, I think. And it was from like the popcorn factory or whatever. Uh, so she'll always be that to me. Uh, so this, she tweeted about it because she, she wanted to get them in trouble. Yes, because it, so it, it, ru awesome. it ruined that relative's uh, birthday because the popcorn did not arrive on time, which is great. Um, so she was on Jake Tapper uh, talking about the speaker's race. And, um, you know, Jake Tapper can get a little snarky and uh, <laughs> take a listen to this. There you go. Um, the House still doesn't have a speaker for the first time in American history. This is nearly two weeks after Kevin McCarthy was stripped of his leadership. They still can't even pass a resolution condemning the Hamas attacks. It's starting to look like there is not one House Republican who can get 217 votes. Uh, Republican Congressman Austin Scott said the chaos, quote, makes us look like a bunch of idiots, unquote. Is he right? Well, I'll tell you what's right is under the Biden administration, we've seen chaos um, with inflation and the fact you that people are You can't are blame that on Biden. Same. You can't blame this on Biden. No, you can't. Well, you have to let me finish. Okay. We have seen chaos. Okay. Yeah, and then she just goes on. So what do we think about that? I mean, is she really, really good as as far as deflecting? I mean, it is amazing how they're starting to blame. How are the, it's, this is crazy. I mean, they've got their talking points. The GOP is really good about getting their talking points, disseminating their talking points, and sticking to their talking points. And I guess their talking point is it's all Biden's fault. All everything's Biden's all of fault. It, right? All of it. All of he, it. Yeah, he's like... The Just like it was... Uh, everything was Obama's fault. I exactly. Mean, you know... But that's what they do. If you if you look at what she did, this is actually interesting for media training folks. Yes. Is she took one word that Tapper said so that it looks like she's being responsive like i think she's he said chaos or something and then she said well if you want to talk about chaos right so then it looks like she's actually being responsive to him right. and you got to give him credit because most of the time journalists don't push back uh, because tom emmer right you know, or some of the other on, that was our next sorry about that that was my fault yes you're right you're absolutely right um, and that, well, I have more Jake Tapper because this is um, uh, this was kind of my favorite more than the that one. This is Jake Tapper with Nancy Mace on uh, Jim Jordan. Oh, I think I saw this. <laughs> OK, wait, this this was really good. OK, uh, let's listen. Uh, Tom Cole or Tom Emmer, who are some of the other possible 
uh, individuals who you think maybe could get to 217? Well, I think Jim Jordan is not out of the mix. I've talked to a lot of people who still support him. I've actually talked to Democrats who, who trust him at his word. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Jim Jordan? I, Yes, I've talked to Democrats over the last week on who do they trust, even though they wouldn't agree with him on many issues. He is someone the Jim can, Jordan from Ohio. Oh yes, the Jim Jordan from Ohio. <laughs> Democrats in Congress. Yes, they can work with him. And those that name I've one Democrat to, from Congress I'm not that trusts Jim Jordan. People off the record. They trust him more than they trust the former Speaker. In my private conversations with Democrats, I will say that. Um, I will. Uh, Tom Cole. Uh, so what do we think about that? I mean, it's we're all laughing at that. It's crazy. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a bridge way too far. This is the same woman who last week after the McCarthy vote happened was walking around wearing a tank top with the red A on it because she wanted us all to know she'd never actually read the Scarlet Letter in high school, right? Like she was trying to make some point about how she was being demonized for her vote. And it's like, uh, that book's about adultery. <laughs> well, and also, am I not wrong, Terry? <laughs> was she the one that went, that was late to the prayer breakfast? Yes. And then announced yes. to everybody. That oh, my God. Because she had maybe woken up and had a little bit of lovey-dovey with her living boyfriend her, her her fiance yes oh my god yeah this was in um yeah she made yeah she basically prayer was breakfast. Like, sorry prayer. i'm late i was banging my boyfriend <laughs> yeah yeah what yeah. happened to her prayer breakfast because it seemed like for a little while she was sort of an adult in the room the uh the congresswoman from south carolina you know she seemed to be like okay because you know listen not taking you a Apparently she 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 was raped uh, when she was in the military and she uh, openly told her story and it was very touching and it was very like, whoa, you know, she's really speaking out and she's, uh, you know, uh, uh, that was a big deal. And now it seems she's gone super, super hard right. Like you thought that she was the moderate in the House and they just they get in the cult. It's bizarre. I mean, any Democrat, I, could, I couldn't leave any Democrat who would say one nice thing about Jim Jordan. No, she's just making that up. And it, it, it's, you know, like, yeah, like two weeks ago, she was in the headlines because she has a bipartisan bill that would make sure every rape kit is tested. Like, that's really important legislation that is noteworthy. And she, you know, that's good that she's doing that. And, you know, the more people you have saying, yes, let's please test all the rape kits, the better. But then she also, is just totally off the wall. And I, I, is that just a byproduct, you think, of being from a Republican district in South Carolina where she's always got to do everything she can to make sure she's not primaried from the right? Or is she just crazy? No, I think um, actually, I think there's a little bit more to it. I mean, the district that she represents actually was a little more swingy. It isn't okay. the most conservative because it encompasses Charleston. Um, really, what I think is probably uh, Jim Jordan the guy by the river or whatever. Um, I think he's probably said to her, you go on the national news because she can get booked, right? She's a woman that people perceive not to be crazy, right? And she's got she's got some legit cred in, in a lot of communities to basically say, you carry my water and, and I become speaker, then I'm going to give you X. And whether it's a chairmanship or whether it's some kind of leadership post or whatever, um, that's my guess that that she's kind of sold 
you know, sold her soul or whatever, um, hoping that Jim Jordan, not Jen Jordan, by the way, um, (laughs) is Speaker of the House um, because she's going to get something out of it. I mean, that's what this is always about, right? This is about horse trading. Um, And it ain't because anybody actually supports him from the Democratic caucus in, in Congress. Jen, do you think part of what she's doing and why she is going so hard to the right with her rhetoric, would it have anything to do with the greater context of the Supreme Court arguments last week about South Carolina's congressional maps? And I, because I know the Charleston area in particular is part of that. It it could. She may think, uh, I mean, that's an interesting point, right? If they... If they redraw the maps and actually give Dems back that area, right, then she may want to jump into another congressional district that actually is much, much more um, conservative. And when I say conservative, I don't mean like conservative. I mean like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? Where Taylor Green conservative. Exactly. Where you have to, you know, swear fealty to Donald Trump. so it that's that's what's kind of that's a really interesting point, Terry, that she may be thinking more long term. And also she wants the support of whoever the speaker is, because, again, what did we talk about? We talked about money um, mm-hmm. and who's in charge of of saying who gets the money and who gets the support, whoever the speaker of the House is ultimately. Interesting. This is all going to be very interesting, especially I still go back to the fundraising. I still go back to that suburban woman, that suburban woman who's sort of on the fence and they're going to end and we're going to have someone like Jim Jordan uh, mansplaining. He, you know, he's just a mansplaining. He's just he's just a vile person. I'm just going to say it. There's nothing. Maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go as as Jim Jordan for Halloween. (laughs) Oh, that'd That's be really a good, good costume. Yeah, get a giant, giant white button down. <laughs> yeah, like really yeah, blousy, yellow really tie, roll up stains, the sleeves, right? Yeah, pit stains, right? yellow tie. Be I mean, really, really mad all the time. Yeah, and... lean into like angry used car salesman. Yeah, yeah, mean. polyester blend pants. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it with the clips. Let's go into what are we raving about this week? Have you ladies thought about that at all about what we are raving about this week? I have. Good. Go, Terry. Yes. (laughs) Be positive. I have. So Mandy Landry, friend of the pod. She, we had her on here a while back. She is in New Orleans. Her district is part of New Orleans. It is a very blue, very democratic district. And the new or- the democratic party in Louisiana is kind of, kind of weird, kind of dysfunctional. That's one way of, of putting it. Um, and she was primaried by this woman who kind of came from nowhere, but was really well financed, had a boyfriend with money, but also had a lot of Republican connections, but then also was able to get endorsements from really mainstream Democrats like Mary Landry. The whole thing was very weird. Anyway, they decided to primary Mandy Landry and Mandy prevailed. And she, you know, this questionable person who had just moved into the district, like in January, um, Mandy overwhelmingly won this primary. And that is good because the other news out of Louisiana was maybe not so great with the other Landry, the bad Landry, who won with 51% of the vote for governor because Louisiana is a jungle primary state. Jen, you know a little bit about jungle primaries. 
and it is That's a, right. Jungle <laughs> primary state. Um, and it's wild out there. It's, it's wild. wild. Jungle primary. Yes. And that's Louisiana. Yeah, it's not unusual in Louisiana at all to have two Democrats in a runoff or two Republicans in a runoff. A little more unusual here in Georgia. But in Louisiana, it was great that Mandy was able to come out and continue to represent her district in New Orleans because she does a great job. So when the new governor is the uh, former attorney general... Of yeah. Louisiana, no relation. Yeah. His name's Landry Suit too, so there's no real no relation. Yeah, no, yeah. Landry is like Smith. That's okay. a very common name in Louisiana. Okay, okay, yeah. And you know, the sad thing about that governor's race is that like people just didn't go out. I guess it was like under thirty five percent of the population voted, which is yeah. really a bummer. It just yeah. You, I know. I think in Orleans Parish, it was like less than 30% turnout was very, very low. And did the Democrats, did, yeah. did like national Democrats just not invest in that race? Did they feel it was unwinnable? Did what, you know, what went wrong? I am definitely not qualified to quarterback that, but I do know that, I mean, Land, Jeff Landry, who will be the new governor of Louisiana, is a big Trumper. Their current governor, John Bell Edwards, is a Democrat, but he is a pro-life Democrat. So it's a, it's a really... It, there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, Louisiana. That, that's, Louisiana. that's a lot of that's because of Catholicism, right? Yeah. Like um Yeah, in, but there's in terms of, of the current governor. Yes, but I will say also that the majority of Catholics when polled say that they're actually pro-choice. So it's it's, you know, that's that's not something that can easily be you know, that's kind of reductive also. Right. It's just, yeah. but, but public facing, right? Like, yes, yes, definitely. They, and and John know, Bell Edwards, may... he was a former sheriff, right? The current Democratic governor was a sheriff also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jen, yeah. what are you, what are we raving about you besides your birthday? Just my birthday. That's the only thing I'm raving about. Um, love October, love uh, football. Um, actually, you know what? I'm just raving about just being alive for real. Um, I think maybe all of the tumult and um, feeling bad has just made me really appreciate kind of what we have and, um, and really kind of just taking stock of that. And um, I was at this event a couple of nights ago and this um, actually common, the rapper was making a speech and um wait you were an event he, you were at an event with common oh common and our bff so wait did how, did, how did how did how, <laughs> how, how was how, like i love i don't know jen, common. Jen, don't just, know common. jen just buries lead all the time all the time you don't tell yeah. us anything so what was it can you say it was just a dinner it was a fundraising <gasps> dinner but it was um he was there. He was getting an award. But so he's giving a speech. But he, um, you know, he was in the movie Selma. And he said they met with um, um, Ambassador. Um, come on, Terry. Why am I losing? Uh, getting old is. is uh, Andrew Young. Yes. And I wasn't even invited. I know, but I'm like, this I is just guessed. Why can't I? Why? Why? <laughs> so um, Andrew Young was there speaking to them, you know, about the real life experience. And he said to them, um, figure out you would uh, figure out what you would die for um, and live for that. And oh. um, that 
has just been on my mind. That that quote is uh, it just keeps going through my mind um, because I, I've been thinking about you know what do we care about? What do we what do we love? What do we what would we die for? Um, and I think that. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of people in this world that um, are dying um, for for the things that are important to them. So um, I think it's always uh, something to keep in mind. But that's what I'm raving about. Just time to to step back and and really think about, you know, this is my first half century. You know, what's my second half going to look like? you know, oh my gosh, mine is going to be so petty and dumb compared to yours. Because, um, okay, one is always going to be like some sort of content that I'm consuming. Uh, one was just, thank you. I'm raving about Love is Blind on Netflix because... Oh my God, I've tried to watch that. It's, it's not awful. good. It's awful. But it is the greatest escape. And it was this great way for me to bond with my niece, who's like, she's 25. So it was like, we could sit there and watch the show. And it's so stupid. And But it's a great escape. And then the other show I want to rave about is Lessons in Chemistry, which I don't know if... Uh, Terry, you probably read the yes, book. Yes, I've read the book and I watched the first two episodes last night. Okay. Did, with my daughter. Jen, did you read the book? I read the book. So the show's good? It is. It's different from the book. But okay. Sylvie and I both okay. really like it. Okay. I thought the okay. show was great as well, except I'm going to call bullshit right now on one thing. There's this in the book. I, I only got through like the first 45 pages of the book. Um, and there's a dog in the book. And apparently it's like a Labrador retriever in the book. But in the show, they make it a Labradoodle. Thank you. Chris Anulowitz was like, this is a little anachronistic. There's no Labradoodle well, in the 50s. Or was they there? They should have had a Frenchie. They should have had a Frenchie if they really wanted to make it accessible to everyone. Yeah. Or a collie. Go with Lassie. Go with Lassie. I just, I really couldn't get over that. So it's like, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't, and, and I feel like no one's called bullshit on that, but, uh, but the show itself, well, I think it's like, it's a great lesson and it's a great reminder of women, um, and knowing your worth and like what, what women have struggled with for decades to try and, you know, not just be the secretary and to be believed and to, you know, I think we're getting there. Sometimes I think we take two steps back and to take a step forward, but, um, you know, that's why, you know, getting back to we start where I always say I'm so happy to be with strong, uh, brilliant, powerful women who, who can explain things to me. Um, anyway, so there you go. Love is blind and lessons in chemistry. You guys. And the anachronistic golden doodle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. This has been great. Um, we will talk to you next week. Listen, leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Uh, if there's something you want us to talk about, you can, you know, email me, Merit Mara Davis because I'll likely respond. <laughs> right there the rest, I'm not so sure. All right, we'll talk to you next week. 